Now it's time, though, for the principles of art. We got six of them. Pattern. Rhythm and motion. Proportion and scale. Balance. Unity. And, of course, emphasis. Pattern, unity, and balance, they kind of go hand in hand. First of all, pattern. Pattern is simple. It just refers to the repetition of various shapes, textures, whatnot. Pattern creates a visual beat that goes across your entire piece. Rhythm and movement, you don't want your piece to be static. You don't want it to just be blah. You want there to be motion and rhythm going through it, movement, so it's not, even though it's a static image, it's not static. Of course, you want to be proportionate and scale everything correctly. You don't want a house bigger than a dog unless it's real or something, but for the most part, you want the dog to be, like, half the door. And of course, we got balance. We don't want to have the subject waiting the entire composition and off-balancing it. We want it to be balanced. Maybe a big subject and two small subjects on the other side, or something of the rabbit would help this. Unity. We want to bring it all together. We don't want some stars and some yellows up in the top right and some grass and some reds that don't that conflict. We want there to be unity, bringing all the colors together, bringing all the patterns together, bringing the balance, etc., so on and so forth. And then when it comes down to your subject, though, if you have a lot going on in the background, it can be very distracting, so definitely emphasize on what your piece is about. More than likely, your subject, based all on that shape, line, form, and whatnot from earlier. I'm Michael Lambert of Rockets Intensity. Please follow, subscribe, and enjoy your day. Okay, so the elements of art, we got six of them. Okay, we got line, shape and form, space, color, value, texture, and of course, space. We got line, we got shape. Line, shape, color, value, texture, and space. With line, you know, lines. And then of course, well, you got your shapes. And then after you first get all your line work down, and then your shapes, then you want to go in with the color. So for a quick little demonstration, line, shape, and then we go into some color. And then you get like, whatever, abstract, character, it's all good. A line is a path that is moving through a space, while a shape and form applies depth. Or shape implies spatial form, while form itself gives it depth. Get into color theory later, but basic color, you got your primaries, you got your complementaries, and you got your triads, etc. Once you get your basic subject down, then you can texture it with whatever. Make it spiky. Make it rough, make it smooth, doesn't matter. And after we get all that down, we got the line, we got the shape, form, 
color texture got to make sure it has value don't want it in the middle don't want it too light and don't want it too dark want it to be appropriate but once you finish all that space I'm Michael Lambert of Rockets Intensity. Please follow, subscribe, and enjoy your day. So the elements of art, we got six of them. Of course. Elephants. Space. CRISPR Cas9. CRISPR Cas9 is a genome editing tool that is creating a buzz in the science world. It is faster, cheaper, and more accurate than previous techniques of editing DNA and has a wide range of potential applications. CRISPR-Cas9 is a unique technology that enables geneticists and medical researchers to edit parts of a genome by removing, adding, or altering sections of the DNA sequence. It is currently the simplest, most versatile, and precise method of genetic manipulation and is therefore causing a buzz in the science world. The CRISPR-Cas9 system consists of two key molecules that introduce change mutation into the DNA. These are an enzyme called Cas9. This acts as a pair of molecule scissors that can cut the two strands of DNA at a specific location in the genome so the bits of DNA can then be added or removed. Piece of RNA called GRNA. This consists of a small piece of pre-designed RNA sequence about 20 bases long located within a longer RNA scaffold. The scaffold part binds to DNA and the pre-designed sequence guides Cas9 to the right part of the genome. This makes sure that the Cas9 enzyme cuts at the right point in the genome. The guide RNA is designed to bind and bind to a specific sequence in the DNA. The guide RNA has RNA bases and are complementary to those of the target DNA sequence in the genome. This means that at least in theory, the guide RNA will only bind to the target sequence and no other regions of the genome. Cas9 follows the guide RNA to the same location in the DNA sequence and makes a cut across both strands of the DNA. At th this stage, the cell recognizes that the DNA is damaged and tries to repair it. Scientists can use the DNA repair machinery to introduce changes to one or more genes in the genome of a cell of interest. Target sequence. Guide RNA. Castine Mutation How was it developed? Some bacteria have a similar built-in gene editing system to the CRISPR-Cas9 system that they can use to respond to invading pathogens like viruses, much like an immune system. Using CRISPR, the bacteria snip out parts of the virus DNA to keep a bit of it behind to help them recognize and defend against the virus next time it attacks. Scientists adapted the system so that it could be used in other cells from animals including mice and humans. Are there any other techniques for altering genes? Over the years, scientists have learned about genetics and gene function by studying the effects of changes in DNA. 
If you can create a change in a gene, either in a cell line or a whole organism, it is possible to then study the effect of that change to understand what the function of that gene is. For a long time, geneticists used chemicals or radiation to cause mutations, however, they had no way of controlling where the genome of the mutation would occur. For several years, scientists have been using a gene targeting to introduce changes in specific places of the genome by removing or adding either whole genes or single bases. Traditional gene targeting has been very valuable for studying genes and genetics, however, it takes a long time to create a mutation and is fairly expensive. Several gene editing technologies have recently been developed to improve gene targeting methods, including CRISPR-Cas9 systems, transcription activator-like effector nucleases, talons, and zinc finger nucleases, ZFNs. The CRISPR-Cas9 system currently stands out as the fastest, cheapest, and most reliable system of editing genes. Are there any implications? CRISPR-Cas9 has a lot of potential as a tool for creating a range of medical conditions that have a genetic component including cancer, hepatitis B, or even high cholesterol, heart disease, poor eyesight, mm. Any changes made in the germline cells will be passed on from generation to generation. It has important ethnical implications. Carrying out gene editing in germline cells is currently illegal in the UK and most other countries. By contrast, the use of CRISPR-Cas9 and other gene editing technologies in some cells is uncontroversial. Indeed, they have been used to treat human disease on a small number of exceptional and or life-threatening cases. CRISPR-Cas9. Is there a future? Lead to be many years before CRISPR-Cas9 is used routinely in humans. Much research is still focusing on its use in animal models or isolated human cells, with its aim to eventually use the technology routinely to treat human diseases. There's a lot of work focusing on eliminating off-target effects, where the CRISPR-Cas9 system cuts out a different gene to the one that was intended to be edited. In most cases, the guide RNA consists of a specific sequence of 20 bases. These are complementary to the target sequence in the gene to the edited. However, not all 20 bases need to match for the guide RNA to be able to bind. The problem with this is that a sequence with, for example, 19 of 20 complementary bases may exist somewhere completely different in the genome. This means that there is potential for the guide RNA to bind there instead of, or as well as the target sequence. The Cas9 enzyme will then cut at the wrong site and end up introducing a mutation in the wrong location. While this mutation may not matter at all to the individual, it could affect a crucial gene and another important part of the genome. Scientists are keen to find a way to ensure that the CRISPR-Cas9 binds and cuts accurately. Two ways this can be achieved. The design of better, more specific guide RNAs using our knowledge of the DNA sequence of the genome and the off-target behavior of different versions of the Cas9 guide RNA complex. The use of a Cas9 enzyme that will not only cut a single strand of the target DNA rather than the double strand, this means that the two Cas9 enzymes and two guide RNAs have to be in the same place for the cut to be made. This reduces the probability of the cut being made in the wrong place. So we had a rundown of what CRISPR-Cas9 is, gene editing, in its simplest form. How could we apply this though, for the future of humanity? So there's plenty of organisms out there that can theoretically live forever or until they get smashed or eaten. So theoretically there's few organisms out there who can live forever. We've got the ever-growing lobster. There's a jellyfish. Have you seen these guys? Cut them in half? They regenerate. What if we could map out their genomes 
take a bit of it and add it to ours. We'd have humans running around for 200 years, 300 years, an eternity until an asteroid hit us or something. What about perfect eyesight? What if we wanted giants? It's very controversial. What do you guys think? Please leave your comments below. Love to hear. Shit. And we'll edit all that. G. Shit. 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 Within the next 100 to maybe 150 years, we'll know if we're going to perish or thrive. Will we survive and make it to a Type 1 civilization, or will we perish as a Type 0? Experts assert as the civilization becomes more larger and more advanced, its energy needs increase rapidly. With this in mind, the Kardashian scale was developed as a way of measuring the civilization's technological advancement based upon how much usable energy it has at its disposal. The Kardashian scale was meant to measure three types of civilizations. Type 0 is what we are in now, Type 1, Type 2, as well as Type 3, and in certain cases, will you also reach a Type 4 and a Type 5 civilization. A Type 1 civilization is 10 to the 16th power W, Type 2, 10 to the 26th power W, and the Type 3, 10 to the 36th power W. And some other ones, a Type 4 would be 10 to the 46th power W. And then a Type 5 is all available energy in our known universe. Let me just mention, we are still a Type 0 civilization. We're about 80% of the way there. A Type 1 civilization has complete mastery of all energy, as well as the neighboring star, on our home planet. A Type 2 civilization. We are not even close to this. Maybe a few thousand years out. A Type 2 civilization. The ability to harness all the energy from its host star. Our, aka, our sun. In a Type 1 civilization, we're using solar panels to help gather all the energy from the sun. But in a Type 2 civilization, we're using all the energy that the sun can actually make. Hypothetically speaking, we're talking about a Dyson Sphere. This device, as you would call it, would encompass every single inch of the star, gathering most, if not all, of its energy output and transferring it to a planet for later use. Alternatively, if fusion power, the mechanism that powers a star, had been mastered by the race, a reactor on a truly immense scale could be used to satisfy the needs. What would all this energy mean in a Type 2 civilization? If humans survive long enough to reach the status and a moon-sized object entered our solar system on a collision course with our little blue planet, We'd be have the ability to vaporize it out of our existence, or if we had the time, we could move our planet, completely dodging it. But let's say we didn't want to move Earth. Are there any other options? Well, yes. Yes. Okay, so so far, we went from having complete control over our planet to having complete control over our sun. So what comes next? A Type 3 civilization. 
We're a species that becomes galactic travelers, with knowledge of everything having to do with energy, resulting in them becoming a master race. In terms of humans, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, both biological and mechanical, may result in the inhabitants of this Type 3 civilization being incredibly different from what the human race is as we know it. At this stage in Type 3 civilization, we would have developed colonies of robots that are capable of self-replication. Their population may increase into the millions as they spread across our galaxy, colonizing star after star after star. And these beings might build Dyson Spheres all across our galaxy. And as time went on, eventually, so on and so forth, Type 4 and Type 5, complete masters of the universe, hypothetically speaking. Laws of physics, though. There are some problems that can be faced by Type 3 into a Type 4 civilization. Laws of physics. Particularly, light speed travel. That is, unless they somehow develop a warp speed drive, or something other rather, they still will not be able to reach the farthest stars out there. To note, Kardashev himself only put 0, 1, 2, and 3 on his scale. Type 4 and Type 5 are from other physicists. Okay everyone, I hope everyone is doing well today. We are going to be focusing on this, pseudocode. So coding is pretty simple. So when you start off, you gotta define your variables. After you do your variables, it's really simple after that. Basically it's all if. Basically, if this, and then that. So if this happens, then that happens. If this happens, then that happens. But you gotta set your variables first. And then after that, it can get more complex. Uh, basically, you can ch go back, change those variables, and when all this stuff goes in hand in hand, I mean, right here, this is the core of what coding is. Um, so I mean, variables, let's say your health is 100. If collision with the bullet, then minus 10 on the health. Boom, that shoots you back up to the variables. Uh, let's say health, if health equals zero, well, that means something, uh, death. So you have to do a little code for the death, and that's what pseudocode is pretty much, without having double equal signs, without having, uh, double sharp signs, or anything of the rather, it's basically where you can, uh, freely write out your code. And if you do it right, it almost looks identical to JavaScript or coding languages of that nature. So, for a quick example, just clear off the screen for you. Uh, let's get down to business and I'll show you how to pseudocode. So, we'll just do what we just talked about. It's a little messy, it's like a chalkboard, what you know? So, try to increase that. Okay, so, 
basically health let's say that equals 100 so what would happen if player which is you uh, let's see if hmm, I actually do not like this example fully but basically if player collides with the enemy with the coding language I use the collision event is a uh, it's a little bit separate outside of this. Um, you, I mean, you got your uh, your create event. So when that object is created, when your step event, whenever in game time seconds steps, uh, whenever a step happens, something happens. You can set up the code, and that was a little bit interesting. But um, anyways, the collision is outside of the actual coding script area that I normally use, but if player collides with the enemy, then health minus equals, we'll do 10. So basically that negative, this right here, this negative equals would take this 100 or 90 or whatever it actually is currently set to, uh, and subtract 100 out, 10 out of it. So technically it would be like enemy bullet. So if the player collides with the bullet, then uh, health equals minus 10, so it would be 90. And then you repeat it for every bullet. So basically if he got hit by 10 bullets, he's dead. But then we'd have to add in the code after that, that if player... Basically if player... This would be another variable. Uh, dot health is less than zero. We'll just ignore this. I don't feel like whipping out the eraser. Then uh, death equals true because you died. And then you could do another one, and I won't write this one out. But then you could do uh, inside the player if his personal variable if death equals true, then you could do game restart, room restart, uh, player dot life minus equals one. So you take a life away. So, with all that being said, I am going to give you a quick little code, because I used to, and I still am, I'm a trucker, and when I'm on the road driving through Kansas and stuff, it's nice because, I mean, I don't have to count the numbers on boxes, I don't need to keep track of inventory in my head, I don't need to pay attention to the back stock for this customer, yada yada yada. Um, I'm freely can just uh, use that part of my brain, so I, like, when I'm trucking, I have, like, code running through my head and stuff. So, let's see if I can do this really quick. So, we're going to talk about unlimited levels. Ooh, get out of here. Ooh, sorry, had a little thing in the way. Limited levels. Stylus is kind of weird, so sorry about the handwriting. But basically, unlimited levels, how would that work? So we'd want to set up our initial variables. So let's see, we got player. Well, actually, these are our objects. We got player. We'll have enemy. And then, then it's. 
probably uh, the goal. So, oh, so that would be the objects, but then we need uh, some global variables, variables that apply to everything. So the level, and that's going to be the key here. So if level equals one, then I'm actually writing this backwards. So it actually wouldn't be an if then statement. If level equal one, then create one of something, you know? So we're not going to do that for this one. What we're going to do is control the amount of balls. So here's a quick picture of the game we're playing. It's a game I already made, but it's just out there on my hard drive. Black hole. There's your paddle. Here's your ball. So, basically right here we do an instance create. What are we creating? We're creating a ball. And then we could do it multiple ways. You can do like times level. Or, don't have to do it that way either. We could just do, uh, before the instance create, we could do a repeat. And then in parentheses, level. Which is a global variable, what level you're on. So if you're at level 100, 100 balls would be created. So, I like to go in by tens. So, Let's say we're at level 10. We would want two paddles. So, basically it would be an instance create that we had here. We'd, uh, we'd want to repeat it for the amount of times on the level. But, because we're going by 10s, we'd want a second paddle for every 10. So level 10, you'd get two paddles. You divide it by 10, and then pretty much, you'd have to double parentheses this. Uh, plus one just because in the beginning it would be zero and be like you'd have no paddles and you couldn't even play so if we do that and then uh, have the balls set on the first part of code we did we can limit the amount of balls on another piece of code so if and I'm out of room so bit but basically if instance count on the ball slash enemy whatever um, and I'm out of room, so I'll have to talk this. If instance count ball is greater than 10, then ins underneath it, we do another uh, instance destroy. So anything higher than 10, if that's what we wanted, would delete. Let's see, I'm trying to figure out a good way to clean this, and it didn't. Today I'm gonna to show you how to make a how to make a song from the ground up. Okay guys, so today I'm gonna to demonstrate how I make a song in FL Studio. Version 12 this time, even though I'm more accustomed to version 10. I hate the new GUI, but whatever. And for some reason, this video got cut short at 10 minutes. It did take about 20 minutes to maybe 30 minutes to finish out the 
the outro, but other than that, this is what it is. You got your st uh, step sequencer, you got your... Personally, I always start in two areas, either with the melody or with the drums. So, first, I like to start off with a little kick drum, add some snare and add some hi-hat so I can feel the beat and the rhythm of the song that I'm trying to make. After that, that's when, when we go into some rhythm, we go into some melody, and we go into the bass line, and then we can add a solo melody type thing in the bridge or whatever. This, this area right here is your piano roll. It's where you get to lay out all your notes that you like and how you want, whatever you want it to sound. Um, I'm a big fan of the key of G. Um, it's almost like C, except instead of F, you got a start. But other than that, I love starting off working out in the key of G.
It's very handy to really get those snares, melodies, and really to really feel the atmosphere of a song and to compress it so it doesn't sound so rough at times. Basically, your standard song, verse, chorus, melody, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, 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 slash outro with the chorus.
Hey guys, Michael Lambert here, and um, a few people have been asking me about penny stocks, and pretty much just what I know about them, so that's what we're going to do today. <clears throat> I uh, started studying uh, penny stocks way back in 2013, I'd say would be the first year, and uh, had some good experience uh, in 2015, uh, like, it was pretty decent, and then uh, just some average, but... Still a good time, uh, outside those years. So, let's get on and, uh, let's start with, I guess, my whole process of, uh, let's go find, like, a good penny stock. <clears throat> so, I like PSL, even though, uh, they seem to have changed their list as of, uh, lately. Um, it used to be a list about 100, but we can look at 10 or so, 15... So, when I'm looking for these, I look for the lowest price I can find, a bottomed out price, and I look for, um, sorry about that guys, but I look for um, some good characteristics for uh, each of these penny stocks. Pink slips, over the counter, uh, it's all the same thing. Uh, by definition, from what I've read, a penny stock is anything under $5, but in my opinion, a penny stock is a penny. A dollar, two dollar stock, that's a that's a dollar stock, you know? So, when I'm looking at these, I try to find the lowest value possible, and then look at the other characteristics from there. Whoops. So I see four, five, no, four. So we got a one hundredth of a penny there, there, and then uh, the other two also went up two hundredths of a penny. This top one is nice, 124% change. Let's go see what that is about. So yesterday it closed, and uh, I use E-Trade, but you can use Merrill Lynch, and there's plenty of uh, other brokerage accounts you can make, uh, or you can uh, just get a stockbroker. But um, in today's world, you might as well do it yourself, but you got to know what you're doing. Uh, it's always a gamble. It, there's always risks involved, but there's uh, safety measures you can take to try to prevent any of that from actually happening. And I will share with you uh, some of my good experiences and some of the bad ones with you. But this one, I normally can't buy. Uh, normally, it's the lowest you can go is one hundredth of a penny. And, uh, that's interesting. I'm actually uh, curious what it was showing up as yesterday.
instead of looking for the most active or fluent stocks, it's a uh, it gets a lot easier when you're looking at uh basically the losers, the ones that are that have been dropping. Because I'm pretty sure you've heard buy low, sell high. So let's go ahead and take a look at a few of these. Anything that was a uh, in the 100th of a penny price range. From here, we gotta start looking at uh, the open, the highs, the lows, the volumes, and the trade values. Trade values, I, it's probably a mistake, but I actually don't look at these. And trades, trades are important. It, uh, off the bat, it shows how fluid it is. This one, it's the most fluid. And it's at the pr right price range, so why not just skip down there? So let's take a look at this one. Uh, it's low today, but it's bottomed out. It's high. That's a nice change. But it's reversed from what we wanted, because it's a it's a loss. Um, let's take a look at the pattern. What it has been doing. Okay, so it looks like over the past five days, it's at it's been at a tenth of a penny, and then it shot up to a fifth of a penny. Little hay penny. But over the past month, it's been it's been just as low as it has right now, and that was uh, about two weeks ago. Other than that, it's been a tenth of a penny. Okay, so it, what? It's been low. It had a full cent back in February, maybe. So right now, I would recommend buying this one, NVGC, because if you look at it, it normally, it's median, median, is, um, hmm, did not want to go there. Let's go 10 years. In a lot of cases, uh, in most graphs I look, they stop at two years, but uh, you can find older ones, just depends on how old the company is. This one goes back uh, four and a half years, pretty much. Started off as a, a 30 cent company, went up to 50 cents, dropped to 10 cents, and then it's been slow there. But it is very fluid. You could make uh, some money on this one. Mostly uh, either doubling, tripling, possibly even more your money. Because, I mean, if it was at a uh, fifth of a penny, where it was at and uh, right now it's at it's pretty much bottomed out if I want went into e-trade right now try to get this it's bottomed out uh, I don't see the company be uh, going under I mean it is a possibility it is uh, that time of year soon in uh, the next couple months when they, everyone's got to file paperwork for the following year um, so that is a possibility this company could go under but it's been here about four or five years so I do have some faith just in that regard But I would recommend buying it right now. Uh, let's say, when I do this, I uh, I like to drop 500 or 1,000. I mean, to actually make it worth my while, opposed to like, hey, made a few bucks. Uh, often the old prices to buy and sell with any of them, 
for the, uh, the high companies would charge $9.99, 10 bucks to buy and then to sell. So it would be 20 bucks pretty much it would cost you. So you better make at least 20 bucks and it's not even worth it unless uh, it's like an extra 20 buck profit. Um, but when I do this, uh, and my best, my uh, highest experience, uh, I was an over-the-road trucker, and uh, I mean, no kids, no bills, I was free to do what I wanted. So I would drop 500 or or 1000 down on these, and it turned out pretty good. And right now, if I had that laying around, and if you do, I would recommend it, drop it on this one. Let's, uh, let's just try to, we're looking for patterns here. So it dropped. It's hard to tell. Let's see. One month. I want to say about a week. It dropped to where it is right now. Two weeks ago, but it's held strong up there at a one, and it spiked today. At one. That makes no sense. Uh, a tenth of a penny. Let's, uh, let's look back farther. Three. I mean, it's last spike. It dropped to... It really bottomed out. It went lower than... We can buy it as it looks like. If possible, that would have been a great day to buy. But it, then it uh, came right back up, and a lot of people probably did buy that day. Oh, that's what this volume uh, graph is all about. Right here. Don't know if you can see my mouse, but right here. It's pretty interesting. So, I mean, the price was stagnant for a month. Just before, down here, a lot of people bought in, which made the price go up. A hundred percent times ten. Yep. So, if it was me, I, uh, my thousand would have turned into ten thousand that day if I was a part of this group. And this is what I look for. Uh, but it wouldn't be on this day. It's been stagnant. I would not have dropped in on that day. Let's look at this one. Okay, it dropped. There was a couple sales, which is interesting because that does not match this, this size-wise. But this would have been a good day to buy, and that's what people did this day. And it went up, and on all penny stocks, penny stock list, wherever, really, that's probably what this group is. People coming, uh, noticing the spike, it's like, hey, let's try to hop on this ride, let's make it go higher, let's bring it back up to here, because they just saw this, and thinking, oh, it's probably going to go higher, but it didn't, so it's like, okay, and another part of this group, probably 30 to 70%, 50-50, it depends, is selling it, and that's why it dropped. But then it went back even higher with just this little volume on this day. This pattern doesn't really make sense, because we have a lot of volume. It could have been a buy, it could have been a sell, but there is action going on here. About the third week of October. Then we come over here, and we see a little, just a little bit. So there's a lot going on here, and nothing happens, and then it drops, just over a little. So then we come back here, and a little brings it right back up. So, if we saw this... Can I change my color? Merry Christmas, everybody. If we can change this, or change this, if we look for stuff like this, we'd have a good chance of finding these. 
and that's where we would want to put our money in. Let's go look at a different one. So basically, let's stay on track. Let's take a look at a different one. I'm trying to decide which one. Okay, let's go back to the one we already looked at. <clears throat> 125,000 increase. So if there was a... Just, just today, if there was $1,000 sitting on it, it would have went up $124,000. Is that $124 million? Okay, so I had to pause that for a second, because I normally don't buy right there, because uh, at least with E-Trade, you can't buy that low. You can only go to a hundredth of a penny, and in uh, some cases, uh, those aren't even listed, anything that low. Um, but in this case, it's uh, listed incredibly low, a hundred thousandth, a millionth of a penny, wait, ten... Hundred thousand, ten thousand. Anyways, um, but like I said, I like to drop a thousand on these. This would have been a million dollar day. And let's go look at the graph and see. It's like fifty six K. My lord. So it's been steady. Let's look at five days. I see what happened here. So this would have been a hard stock to buy. Oh, never mind. It was just uh, lagging. I, I thought it was a new company if you saw that line a second ago. But we do not want to see two years. Let's load the five days. never actually seen that before. It's a red line right here, steadily low, but if you go to the one month, it's been low, and it spiked. Boom. Look at the end here. It shot up. This looks like a volcano. And that's not a real term, that's just the term I like to call a lot of these. There was a second one, and it was steady. At a higher number, I, that was at a tenth of a penny. I like to go to a hundredth of a penny, because if you buy it at a tenth of a penny and it goes down, uh, I'll lead you through this. Okay, we saw that it was steady, so it could go down, or it could go up, but it's good to have this on your watch list. It's a low, it's not exactly in the ones I like to look at, but uh, I'll show you right now why these are actually pretty good to look at. Uh, it's been steady, so keep it on your watch list. Uh, pay attention to this one. It dropped. There's volume. People are buying it. Yep. Just wanted to see if that was lined up. So it shot up. From whatever they bought it as right here, it looks like some people sold. They're like, oh, this isn't doing anything. And then some people bought and it shot up. It ricocheted. And then right here, People sold. So, 
that's where that one came from. And then later, it looks like people sold. No one bought, so it didn't go up. And then they sold again. And it looks like people probably bought here. They bought here. And uh, it didn't do anything, interestingly. And uh, so they sold here. Leveled out. They bought some and went back up, and they resold. And in an area like this, that'd be a good place to just double your money real quick. Um, other than that, this has been a steady downfall since this. Never buy up here. Never. I mean, you're just begging to lose your money. But then we hit today, and it volcanoes again. Pretty high number. A thousand would have been a million dollars today. And uh, I have not been investing in 2017, but um, definitely going to go back next year. Let's uh, let's look back farther in time and see what's up. Okay, from six months to a year. It likes this. It likes a tenth of a penny right here. It's either a tenth of a penny or pretty much nothing. So they sold. They sold again. Somebody bought. And this thing... I almost wonder if it's an owner or something. Because it's, it's just at that number. It's not... Hmm, it, but anyways, they sold. So, <clears throat> some people here made a killing. Someone probably right here walked away with a million. And then it they sold, it dropped off. But then when it bottoms off like that, especially one like this that likes to be level up here, buy. Always buy right here and right here. And of course, when we get down here, buy it again. Could have doubled your money real quick right there like we talked about. But when you look at it... Every time you look at the broader picture, this one likes to volcano. So, bot right here made some. Would have waited. That this would have been interesting if we saw this, and that's probably what this volume thing is. Uh, you got to be patient, and I'm glad to see there's no little marks right here. No one tried to sell. They were patient, waiting for it. So, oh wait, they weren't patient because somebody right here sold. The price dropped, somebody bought, it went back up to here, they definitely walked away with a few million, and then it took its uh, median right here, and then slowly dripped off. I bet this right here, is this right here, and these right here are going to be coming next. We can't see into the future, so let's go two years back. Three years. And we kind of still see the same thing. There was no volcano. There was a really big one. But it likes that. It, it likes that tenth of a penny opposed to the hundredth. And let's see. From nothing. See some action here. See some action here. 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 Um, if you're dropping a thousand and making a couple grand back to back, I mean, this could have been a hundred thousand right here. And then this, hmm. someone bought big right here, it shot up to a full penny, and then came back down, and then went back over. That would have been a crazy day. If this right here would have been a million off of a thousand dollars, just don't want to do the math on that right now. So those are the things we want to look for. 
Speaking of the volcanoes, let's go take a look. Hopefully it was this this one. So, I think it was the other one. I recorded three of these videos today. The first two I forgot to push the volume button, so I uploaded them anyways, but all it is is a pretty much drawing on the screen you don't know what's going on because I wasn't talking but okay got it this was the volcano one. Oh, we already talked about it that's okay cool this one this one we're gonna cover fluid this one is just so fluid it would be you got to watch the pattern it's risky if you don't know what you're doing you're gonna lose your money but if you approach it with strategy and find the points where you need to hit it it's just a chess match. Mm, 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 mm. Go back. Okay, so this one, NVGC, we found it on the loss list. Uh, and it's at the price that I like to see. That's where I like to buy my stuff. But if we looked at the last one, I, eh, a tenth of a penny would have been decent if uh, you stay patient. So, okay, the five days... Looks like it, uh, it's been steady at a tenth of a penny. Shot up to a fifth of a penny, so times five. And uh, so that would have been five grand. And then it drops down to a lower number. And it's tempting. It's like, oh, get it right now. I'm sure surprised the volume is only 2,000. It should be in the millions. That's, that's like some kilo volume. I'm surprised. Yeah, just... People aren't all over this. Okay, so the past two weeks it's been steady, and then this happens. I'm in mm, some volume. Tempting. And let's see. About two weeks ago, it did the same thing. It's going to come back up. Uh, times 10. I would put money on it right now, if you could. Have it go through in the morning. Back here, we kind of see the same thing. It's definitely bottomed out. It's been here. How long has it been here? It's been steady. Uh, took a couple month break. Had a volcano, kind of a volcano. Um, I wouldn't actually call these volcanoes because the ones I call volcanoes might be fluid or not fluid, but they just have random spikes and you can almost predict them in a time frame. Let's go back to a year. Okay, perfect example. I would call this a volcano, and this just it's fluid. It's fluid. It's doing stuff. And I can tell it's fluid by looking at the bottom graph, the volume graph. That's all the transactions going through buying, selling of the stocks. Uh, this little spike, it was a buy and sell, a double thing, and it was a lot. That's very subjective, a lot. But anyways, so let's go, let's just go back further in this, uh, two years, let's go to three years. Okay. I would st it's been around for a long time. Five years? Yeah, it's a five-year company. So in the past year, we know what it looks like. It just, it's very simple. It just looks like that. Much easier to... Oh, that's six months. Still not bad. We might have a volcano coming. That would be nice. Just a nice big one. Drop a thousand, make a few million. But it no, you got to be lucky. you got to try hard to hit anything like that. But if you look back, the past three years... It does like uh, instantly look like there's a higher median, and then a lower median, and then like a bottomed out median, and it's kind of 
looks like it's kind of climbing up. So today would be a good time to buy. And even if you don't sell it, what you could do with all the, because look at this, it's just so spiky. You could buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. Uh, drop a grand, make a grand, make a few grand, two grand, whatever. Depends on, it literally depends on each spike and uh, the timing with it. Then, I don't know, then you have a hiccup, it's like, crap, I just lost six, but keep going. Uh, don't get out of hand. Um, it's a gamble, like I say. So just don't get out of hand, and uh, you can be successful. I have faith in you. Um, I don't think I can zoom in farther, or just on a specific year. But with this median, this would have been a good time to buy, like, Prime. Let's, right here, actually this one right here, it's like a day after, boom to boom. You'll almost never get this lucky, where you just buy low and you sell really high and make a lot. You'll almost never, you more so, you'll be, like, one of these guys. See that little bit right there? It's like, oh, I made a little bit. And you do that a lot of times. Opposed to one time, buy low, sell high. But you could have been more patient, hit this one, and sold here. But more than likely, you sold here, or you waited a bit, then you sold for a little bit less here. Or you missed that, and uh, you can set, oh, by the way, you can set orders through, so uh, that lasts up to 60 days. And you can set the price, like sell at this price, and you can set alerts. Um, but if you're busy at work, I mean, it's good to have those alerts and, like, those automatic orders go through, like, if it's at this price, sell it. Um, you can do that through E-Trade and I'm sure the others. But you might have sold on this day, and you might have been like, crap, I missed all of that. I sold lower. But still, you would have doubled or tripled. Maybe quadrupled your money right here. At least. Depends on which day you sold it as well, or bought, bought it. Or you might have waited. Somebody might have waited a little bit longer and sold here. It's very fluid. A lot of things going on. Just remember to buy it low. And the fact that it's actually at a bottom that low. And it's been around for a while. I would hop on that stock. Like if I had it right now. I, I'd be like. Oh. Five grand. If I had it. I would put it on it right now. So if you do. You've got anything. Do it. Not sure what else we need to cover, but anyways, let's, uh, I covered everything in a couple other videos. Ooh, I recognize that symbol, but like I said, there was no volume, so I do apologize again if uh, you didn't catch that, catch that part. Uh, there's news. So if you're looking at a stock and there's no news, I'd be a little bit weary. Uh, the 52-week high, because some stocks don't even move. you got to literally uh, put money on it, and you might... Uh, I found one earlier, and it's in the first video, so you can see it. And uh, I'll, toss a, I'll toss it up in a, a link and in the description uh, what it was. Just don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but anyways, you might uh, put money on it and have to wait like three years before it does anything. Um, so be patient. Um... That should be the name of the game. Just be patient. But I used to look at this one a while back. It's opening. Hmm. Was lower than I can normally buy. At least uh, through E-Trade. But it's now at a pl price that I can buy. 
Let's look at the past five days. It's been low. Oh, it spiked. That would have been a good day. One month in this month, the first week. It did it twice. Two volcanoes. How unfortunate. I had money on these guys a while back. Let's really look at this graph. So let's see, where are we at? Three months? So two volcanoes, one dip. Which is interesting, because through E-Trade, that's hard. I would still have to buy it on this, so I would actually not make any money right there. Nor here, nor with this rise, because I have to buy it literally, that's the lowest I can buy it as. But up here, though, I could sell that. I could buy here and then go times 10. So, 1,000... Sorry about that. But I think I was looking at this guy a while back. So he's been low one year. He had mm, an identical one back here, and it's fluid. It's probably why he's always been fluid, why I've been looking at it right here. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Um, it gets harder. If it went up to three, it would have been easier to sell the twos. But when it's sitting on that number, it's harder to, to sell it at that number because other people are trying to sell it at that number. And uh, some people are lucky and some people aren't. But then there was a volcano here after it being pretty steady, fluid, steady with some drops. But yeah, let's go farther back. Let's look at two years. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's in interesting. The volcanoes have been... Oh. I see a pattern. It's bottomed out anyways, and it's been around for a while, so it wouldn't hurt to have uh, your money sit on it. I used to mess with uh, this stock. But it only, it does this so often. Like I said, it's easier to sell on the threes. Might have been the day I actually sold a good amount. Because through all these, you might only hit two. I guess two on each side. That did take a, that was a full year right there. But, nah. You'll hit a couple, but you will not hit all of them. Like right here, this one happened so fast. Over the course of a week, I'd say two. One or two. And then probably you could hit it three times here. It's reliable, it's predictable, kind of predictable. Predictable enough. Like I said, it's a chess match. But way back here, I mean, it's been around for a long time. Um, but back here, it used to be, I mean, that wasn't a lot, but it used to do some other stuff. So who knows? That's why you got to go read the news. And uh, this would be, this one should be on your watch list. No, no charts. Let's go look at the other charts, not the graphs. Okay.
there's a lot of news. I mean, you can look at these within a, a lot of the apps. Hmm. I don't like this website. It's not listing the more news like it said it would. Let's just try that again. Anyways, I will not click more news, but look into the news about these, and uh, you get to know your stocks pretty much, and what they're going to do, what you think they're going to do. Uh, there's been a recent pattern of this. Um, I did record multiple videos, so I'm not sure if I already mentioned this part. Apologize if I do, but uh, one time I put some money down on an oil company, and everybody needs oil. Seems pretty good. But uh, that company, right after the holiday season, when you're getting to tax season, it uh, shut down. And uh, it's still sitting in my portfolio, but it has like a, a weird like serial number now. It doesn't have like the stock number. And uh, I can't exactly sell it. I haven't really been able to. It's literally bottomed out, like a $0 bottom out. It's very it's still in my portfolio, which is the weirdest part. But that might happen to you, so keep that in mind. It's not like buy it at the absolute low, nothing can happen. Um, and if you do buy it at the absolute low and you even set in an order to go uh, sell it at that price, it might be five weeks. And at that point, you might as well set it for a profitable one. You might Your money literally might get stuck there for a while. So do be careful. Uh, don't think you can just grab your savings account and just drop it all and then you'll get a lot of money. It's, uh, it's a chess match. That's how you got to look at it. Um, if you need me to go more in depth about anything specific within uh, the stock market, anything with investing, um, if you have tips, uh, anything or whatnot, leave it down in the comments below. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone uh, gets into trading because in the end, it's really worth it. So I enjoy, uh, hope you enjoy your day. And uh, Michael Lambert, over and out. Okay, everybody, Michael Lambert here, and uh, today we are going to work on a VR virtual reality animation. So, the first thing you want to do is uh, just hop onto Google, Yahoo, Bing, whatever you use, and uh, look for a 360 grid, and uh, that's a basis of it. So let's uh, just take a look at this grid real quick. So you got four vanishing points. Bam. I don't know if you can see my mouse, so I'll just get the pencil ready. Got a vanishing point, vanishing point, vanishing point, and vanishing point. Uh, any of you that have taken art classes know of uh, perspective points. You got one point perspective, you got two point perspective, three point, four point, five point, um, so on and so forth. So, and uh, I heard things like, oh, there's like 36 way back, 36 point uh, perspectives. And I wasn't exactly sure what that meant way back when, because I was trying to draw it on paper and it didn't make sense. Up until, uh, well, I guess uh, technology breakthroughs we've had over the last few years and uh, the future that we're going into. So I, uh, I hope we can all make some great things moving forward. So you got these vanishing points and... If you look at each one, it's like a, it's like a five-point perspective uh, grid on each one of these. So if you had your cube there, you got your one point right there, 
got this one and this one that goes up to here, down here, over here, and over here. So, you can almost do this on paper if you think it through well enough. You can really just think this out on paper, draw it out, and then uh, do all the digital work after you scan it in, photograph it in, whatever you like to do. Or you could just uh, work on it all digitally with the stylus and a Wacom tablet, whatever floats your boat. But we're going to go through this, and I'm going to teach you uh, a few methods so you can make it look pretty, pretty decent. So, you got these points of perspective. And once you get this grid uh, off of Google, bring it into Photoshop, and you can start working with your layers and bringing together your scene. Um, it's best, obviously, if you've worked with any type of animation before or even um, a fine arts painting, storyboard it out, rough draft it first, so uh, you got you got the whole idea going on. So, there's a few things I want to show you. Filter. Up at the top menu, go to Other, and I automatically tap the wrong button. How terrible. So, Filter, Other, then Offset. Offset helps you tremendously. Still got the pencil on. But Offset does help you tremendously because you can uh, just have this grid rotate around your, uh, your space. And... Uh, before we go any further, I want to talk about resolutions real quick. <clears throat> so, I might be pronouncing this word wrong, but uh, this grid is basically an equal rectangular grid. It's where you got a sphere on a rectangle. Kind of like a, a world map of uh, the uh, not the United States, but of the world. So, This grid right here is 4,000 by 2,000, which is, uh, it's kind of like a 4K resolution, roughly. Perhaps it might only be 2K. I might have, uh, my resolutions backwards if I need to look at the width of the height, but anyways, this is on the lower end of the resolutions. If you were going to go max, that's what it would be. It would be 16,000 by 8,000, but data files get bigger, the rendering gets bigger, and even on a nice computer, it might still take a week to render out that one virtual animation, virtual reality animation. So I actually just like to go to 4,000 because um, the quality is good enough. Um, but sometimes, like if you're watching these videos on a phone um, through the YouTube app, it, it does look kind of pixely and gets kind of glitchy. But that's a simple fix. Uh, all you have to do is hit the settings button. And normally the quality is at like 360s when it needs to be up to 720 and then it looks high definition clear and whatnot. So, if you're going to work with the smaller resolutions, uh, unfortunately people may not realize it and be like, oh, this is, this is trash, it's all blurry and stuff. So, keep that in mind, that uh, on the final output, sometimes, I mean, on a computer with a good internet connection, it should just go just fine. But if you're out, like, in the boonies and it's, like, oh, glitchy and stuff, yeah, increase the settings so it knows to grab as much data from the, the server as possible and then it'll look better. But with that being said... Let's get to work. So, if you're working on this, I mean, let's see. If you used, I like to use Photoshop, you got GIMP, you got Paint.net, you got a lot of programs you can use. So basically, if you can uh, digitally layer your painting 
and then uh, animate it. I, I use Adobe After Effects because it's a good quality program, but there's independent programs out there. So basically, this works with other programs. I'm just using Adobe because um, you got to layer it out. And then when you get into the animation side, there's a few other things you got to do. And there's a warp effect you need in Adobe After Effects to make sure all the perspectives are correct. Technically, before that, you can almost do uh, you can almost just draw out the entire scene as is right here. And during one of my animations, I drew out here. Show you real quick. I don't want to pull up the project file because we're starting from scratch. But I had an ocean. I animated this ocean and it looked just like this. It was just straight across, flat, and a rectangle. And uh, basically, once I warped it, I grabbed this area over here. I grabbed this area over here. And I'm just going to undo all these real quick. So basically, I warped it after I animated it as a rectangle and then I brought it like this so then you're at the beach and then it's it looks even nicer because then you got all these different angles and every part um, all the waves even though there were identical waves during a flat rectangle that sounded weird grammatically but anyways um, even though it was a flat rectangle once it starts to warp and stuff every single part of this uh, of the ocean is unique within itself which is nice so Undo! Get rid of that! There we go. So, okay. So I talked you about the other offset, because that comes in handy, because when you're drawing over here and you're like, oh, I hit this wall. Well, guess what? It's easy. Just hit Filter, Other, Offset. Boom. It moves it over here. I mean, you can change the numbers, but it moves it around so that you can blend this in with, like, I don't know, let's say the stamp tool. It's from a different file. And then you can just, like, blur it all together. Or whatever. And then... In the final project, uh, when this wraps into a sphere, because basically you sit inside this entire drawing like it's a sphere around you. That's what a 360 animation slash virtual reality video is. You can watch a 360 video and look around even uh, even on some TVs and uh, I don't know which ones, but like an Apple TV, a Roku, a Nexus, uh, Nexus box, I guess, a Chromecast. Certain ones can actually uh, do these 360 videos. But at the same time, like if you got a, if you got an Oculus to a Google Cardboard, you can use these straight out of the YouTube app. Um, I've never actually uploaded anything to Facebook 360, but you can do that. Um, at the end of this video, at the end of this video, I'll uh, I'll show you the YouTube way of putting the metadata into the file so it gets uploaded correctly. Because YouTube likes these equal uh, rectangular files. But some of them are cube maps, some of them, there's a sphere maps, and a whole bunch of stuff. So it really depends on the server you're going to. You do want to look into that, because uh, I think Facebook takes a cube map or something, which basically, it's this, but it's not easy to draw on. You'd actually probably want to convert it. If, if it was me, I would want to convert it from this to a cube map. And a cube map, just so you know takes it basically makes a cube this whole area even though it hits the borders and the proportions are completely off but you basically got the bottom the top it could be in different spots and then your sides um but cube maps can help because like i said this is the bottom and this is the top that makes it a lot easier at the same time to uh do the flooring 
because blurring can get tricky. I just like to blur those areas at the very top here and the very bottom just to make it easier because for the most part, you're going to be looking outwards, not up and down. Sometimes you might want to have a critter walk up to you or you might be standing, you need a perfect grid to stand on. That's when you'd almost want to uh, convert it from this to a cube map so you can just slap on what the floor or like the sun directly above you is supposed to look like so it doesn't warp out inappropriately. And then uh, you can convert it back into with Skybox and After Effects. But there's other animating programs out there. There's a lot of other things. So you could use all this uh, information towards whatever. But with Skybox, it makes it easy. You can easily convert it between different formats and add those final tweaks in before the final project. So. For the most part, this is pretty simple. These lines, they go up and down. And I'm using a mouse, I'm not using a stylus, so I do apologize about the distortion and whatnot. Or I mean, uh, look at the sign, it doesn't even match that. <clears throat> but anyways, if you look at certain things of these, look at this bottom line. This goes straight down, it comes over, and then it goes straight back up. And then you basically got another one here, and you'd have to use that filter offset to bring it back around. Uh, one of the things I'm working on is a claymation, uh, and an, well, basically a claymation stadium. And I'm actually using this line right here to uh, for a tennis match. Because I basically uh, clayed out and then digitally altered, uh, you know... There you go, there's a little tennis net. But, uh, you can warp it. I'm drawing on this grid, so I can't actually show you exactly what I mean, but I can kind of show you what I mean. You can hit warp. You basically hit control T, and then warp. And then you can warp this thing, however you want it, to the lines. So if you got this thing layered, it makes it a lot easier. But I'm basically, I warp that net down to here so it looks like you're standing like right in front of the tennis net and you do have to pay close attention to these lines and some of these lines don't make any sense because uh curveballs and whatnot i mean for a wall obviously boom to here to here and once it's wrapped around you it's going to look like a flat rectangular wall but if you got a tennis player right here that hits a ball to go let's see here Let's say the other player's right here. Basically, even though he's hitting it this way, actually it might be easier to offset this at this point for this part. But you gotta think of these things. You got a player here, you got a player here. He's hitting the tennis ball over this net. So it goes over this net to this player. And you gotta think about all of these. Uh, you gotta change the size, you gotta change the angle in some cases. So basically, you want to keep those things in mind when uh, you're making these. It, when uh, when that player's hitting the ball, it's not going to exactly follow that line. You're going to want to increase the scale when it gets to about this point. Even though it starts out smaller here and smaller here. And it'll look like it goes directly over the net to the player if, if uh, lined up correctly. 
it would probably droop down a little bit, but that's okay. In some of these cases, it makes it easier to basically go to your menu bar, hit 3D, make sure, in this case, your only layer, but the grid layer is uh, selected, and you can turn it into a sphere. Okay guys, sorry about that, I had a little bit of technical difficulties. So, what I was about to show you, we are going to hit 3D at the top, we're going to come down to New Mesh Layer, make sure your layer, your grid layer is selected, hit New Mesh from Layer, Mesh Preset, and then we are going to do a sphere. And hopefully it doesn't crash this time guys, alright, let's do this, it's loading, it's loading, it's loading, yes it's going! And it's gone. Okay. So, still a little bit loading. Look at that. It's a sphere. Something's wrong. We're supposed to be inside the sphere. That's interesting. Okay, I'm going to pause this. And I'll tell you how to fix it. Okay, I unpause this because I need to adjust my little window here. Oh, look. Look at all those VRs that we got going on. Yep, yep. We got projects for days coming, guys. Okay, I am missing something here. What is wrong? Okay, so you are, it should be set on the layers thing. Go to your 3D panel, and if you don't see it, go to the top, hit window, and then hit 3D, and you'll get this 3D menu. That'll give you access to uh, some of the properties. If I do this right, it should be, let's bring this over, it should be the diffuse one, and we want to edit this texture. Okay, so now that created another layer. Oh no, my window's all over the place. So that created, why do you just like lock in the corner over there? Anyways, um, okay, so it's layer 0.psb up here. Anyways, here's the grid, it's still 3D. This is kind of cool because these can coincide with each other. I mean, earlier when we were drawing the scene, you could still work in this space but it's all stretched out. I need to adjust the view in the... over here. Nope. Not that one. Not that one. Bottom. Nope. Default. Front. Bottom. This doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be on the inside. Hold on, guys. Hold on. Something got jacked up here. Okay. So I'm back after messing with the settings for a little bit. Uh, up until this video, actually, normally it just puts me dead center of the sphere. This time it did not, so I got a little confused for a second. What I did, and it still doesn't look quite right, I went to... where the heck did I even go? I went to current view, and I made sure 
that the perspective was right. And then I looked at this one, the coordinates, and I made sure the coordinates, I reset the coordinates. And for some reason, the coordinates put me on bottom. So there is a, still a slight issue here because I'm supposed to be dead center of the sphere, not actually at like an ultimate zero at the bottom of the sphere. That's the main issue right here. But anyways, when you do get into this kind of mode, though, it just does not look right, but oh well. Maybe I'll make an adjustment video in a little bit. But you can go to layers from this point. You can add another layer. And if you wanted, you can draw on it. Because, anyways. Anyways, you can draw on it if you want. Like, you can follow these lines be like, hey. Even though it's dark. It's like there's a square going right there. And obviously that is a vanishing point, so then you can follow these lines and be like, yeah, it disappears over there, guys. And then you can merge down. And then it adds it in. And it's supposed, yep, it goes right here because it followed those lines. The only issue is this mode right here looks really cool and it helps a lot. However, I'm really not sure why. Because, like, if I reset the coordinates, it goes to the bottom and that's an issue. That's a big issue. Because if it wasn't at the bottom, when we're actually. Looking through this, it actually looks like a, a perfect sphere and perfect grids going in every direction. So it's a little distorted, and I apologize about that. But normally when you hit 3D, go to New Mesh Layer, Mesh Preset, and then hit Sphere. Hmm, Spherical Panorama. I'm going to try something real quick and see if that's actually the issue. Let's just delete that. Nope, let's undo that actually. Let's just grab this layer, grab that, bring that back over here, and let's just try that real quick, see if that was actually my issue. Okay, spherical panorama, not sphere. So once you're in this mode, there, are you happy I wasted three minutes of your life? Once you go into this mode, it makes it so simple. If you look over here at your layers, technically we don't need the second layer anymore because we just redid everything on this layer. You can add another layer, and I mean everything looks so perfect. Look at your grid layer. You just grab it, drag it around. Sometimes it's helpful helpful if you write like a, an N um, somewhere. Like, oh yeah, this is north. Oh, well, that brush is a little too big. But anyways, okay, so you got this square, and you can easily color it in. I'm going to make it hard and small because that's how she likes it. So anyways, you can easily just follow these, and you can draw it out, and it helps. It really does help. And I actually drew on the grid layer. That's not what I actually wanted. You can go to layer 2 and start drawing it. And then you can merge it down, and it'll merge it on to...
the the grid layer. And if you want to edit that, Go to Spherical Panorama Material, Diffuse, because that's where we want to do the drawing, and then it does create that another layer1.psb. We don't need layer0 layer anymore because um, that was actually my mess up. But it's really cool because when you go to layers over here, you technically add another layer and you can draw it on this grid. We'll draw that there. And because we're just working over here, we're going to follow this line and then merge it down. Then we go back over here to the grid and sometimes you need to save these because uh, it doesn't always adjust correctly as it's supposed to. But, oh look there it is. I'm pretty sure that's the one I just drew and it is. I just drew that one. So these update with each other and this is still a grid.jpg with the Photoshop 3D effects and whatnot, but it's not even saved and they're connected. If you save these, you want to save the main project file, this grid one, and you want to save the layer1.psb because that's the flat version of this, and this is actually the layered image that you will need. So while you're working with the grid in this 3D space, and always add another layer, just a reminder, draw on that, and then merge it down. Right click, merge down, boom, and then it'll you can start working on your scene right here. At least getting the rough draft down. This part right here, this is where I sketch out, because, uh, I mean, obviously, I see a floor. So I could be drawing green down there, I could be doing whatever, and then up there's a sky, and you can easily trace buildings and just trace out the whole environment that you want, so you got the idea. So then when you come over here, you really would, I mean, you don't want the grid there, so you really would want this to be the art piece, but then you got a nice rough draft of like, I'll, I'll show you real quick. Suppose no layers are selected. I'll let you know about that. So you just use uh, the move tool, the arrows that go in the four directions to do this part, to move that, but then you go to your other layer and then you can start drawing on these lines. Bring it up and then merge it down because, here I'll show you real quick, okay I just drew that, but then if we move this grid, oh guess what, it goes off center from that. So before we do any camera movements in this 3D space, merge it down onto it. And then we can just go up, we can draw some more. We gotta add another layer. Bring it up. And over here, it's a straight line. But when we make it back over here, I'm not even sure where I was drawing that line, to be honest with you. Where are you, little buddy?
Okay, so it's to the right of that one. Oh, okay. Over here on the left, that's where I just drew that line. It's actually on a straight line. That didn't help so much. But with all these curved lines in the background, and especially when you start getting to the far distance where you need vanishing points to really make this, uh, this environment look right. Because I'm working on a city, uh, downtown Denver, and I need... I need this to uh, to proportion it all correctly so it looks right, like you're standing between all these 3D buildings. All drawn, though. Anyways, so, once you get a good uh, layered scene going, you want the background, you want the sky, whether you're in a warehouse, whatever. Uh, once you got a good scene going, layered, because uh, you might want some of those crates that you just drew moving around, uh, you have to keep in mind that that the perspective really does get distorted here so if you're gonna have like a crate being moved across you're wanting gonna have to plan for the side you're gonna have to do a lot of planning or just have them stay in their little field of view technically you got four field of views plus up and down with those four being the main ones also before we move on to the animating part let's look straight up at the sky everything vanishes up there but, let's just uh, switch this color real quick. Let's do yellow. So I can show you. Because we're going to draw the sun. Okay. It's not that impressive of a sun. And I do want it bigger. So let's go with this. There's the sun. Kind of. Anyways, now let's go, let's merge it down. Now look, it's all flat and stuff. That is why stuff like this comes in handy, because, well, actually, if we were in the VR 360 space, it would actually look like a circle. But in this scene over here, it's, uh, it's an oval. Can't even think of the word. Keep thinking equal rectangular, that's what this actual image is, but elliptical, there we go. There, we got an elliptical, but it's actually going to end up looking like a, like a sun. So, get your, wrap your head around perspectives, because that's what the name of the game is when you're working with VR in 360. And that's how you design the whole environment. Now let's move on, because if you've ever animated before, and animating should be a video in its own right, I'll show you in a second. Uh, hmm. Well, don't want you to see my file, so I'm going to pause this. And, wasn't great, ready. Okay, so let's grab this grid. Is this the small one? Yep. This one loads faster. I'm dragging this JPEG over, but technically you'd be dragging your, your Photoshop file over. And, well, you got this nice little, I like to zoom out a little bit, but then you basically will have your Photoshop file right here. So, let's, uh, what do I have that I can just toss up real quick? Let's grab New York City. So, I want to show you guys 
and this is just an example, it's not even going to look pretty, but the mesh warp. Because this is how I did my beach and my ocean. So my ocean and my beach was flat, it was just literally a rec an animated rectangle with the waves and stuff. But in a VR space that doesn't work. Maybe in a flat animation it does. So, with the grid behind this, and you can adjust the opacity of, uh, and I'd recommend it actually, if you decrease the opacity, and then you mess with this mesh layer, if you look over here, and for some reason the window's gonna fly over there, if you look over here, you can change the columns, I'm just gonna make it simple, I'm gonna drop it down to like 3 and 4, and increase the quality, of course, sometimes, how can I go, only 10, 8, eh, whatever, let's do 6, doesn't matter, for this at least, so if you click on these, the little, uh, intersections pretty much you can grab this image and distort it so basically it's, it gets easier if you just grab these and follow the lines and whatever you have in mind uh, a beach the moon whatever it may be this is awesome because uh, then you can start distorting almost any image into your space. You almost don't even have to plan out the Photoshop thing if you have already done animations and you're like, oh, I'll do that scene on that side, that scene on that side, that scene on that side, so on and so forth. Just use the mesh warp in Adobe After Effects. And if you're using other stuff, um, you can... I like Adobe After Effects. I mean, you got Flash, you got a lot of things. If it can, if the, if it can be warped, if you can warp your image, then you could probably do VR... Uh, videos in almost anything theoretically but you got to be able to warp it and you got to make sure it looks right so that's the gist of it um everything from this point forward is all animating skill and that's a topic in its own right so uh once you finish this and uh you got to download a program if you just go to google and i'll leave a link right here and in the description below of where to download the YouTube converter uh, meta tag. I should have it on my desktop somewhere because I use it. Oh, isn't that awkward? Those aren't nudes. Those are drawing references, guys. So when you go to YouTube, that link, you download this Spartial Media Metadata Injector. some reason okay and once you have this first you export your video from Adobe After Effects or whatever and you get an mp4 file once you get that mp4 file open up this program that you downloaded from um, from YouTube and just these are already injected but basically you grab your mp4 you make sure the first one is clicked you inject the media metadata and then it just basically makes another copy right next to it that says injected. And you want to upload, and I've, uh, I haven't i have tried it in Firefox, I haven't tried it in, um, what is it called now, Microsoft Edge Internet Explorer. I've only tried Chrome, and I heard it only uploads correctly in Chrome, even though it works on Android phones, on multi-platform through YouTube. 
uh, although the output works correctly through VR 360 videos 360 videos you can grab the screen drag it sometimes there's a remote so you can look around in the environment without the goggles because it's on a TV yada 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 Wow, I went so fast I lost my train of thought but um basically upload this into Chrome onto the YouTube website I haven't tried uploading anything through my phone yet so to each of their own you can try what you like what you please and whatnot so there you pretty much have it anything uh anything else is a uh, it's pretty much I guess would be class 102 so I hope you guys enjoyed this video I hope you guys enjoyed uh, enjoyed it learned a lot um, had a good few laughs on my stuttering and uh, yeah uh, please follow subscribe share this video share the other video share one of the projects always always support your artists it's a hard life and if you if you learn something please share it with your friends bring them to this video share it on tumblr cuz I don't know Facebook's overused you know so uh, and if there's anything you want me to elaborate further on please leave it in the comments below and I'll do a follow-up video or I might if, I, if it's a simple thing, I'll just uh, let you know in the comments or edit the caption later. Uh, yeah, so Michael Lambert here, and have a great day. Thank you guys so much.